0: and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker.
1: You're listening to the Fish Untamed podcast, your home for fly fishing the backcountry. This is episode 80 with Nick Hill on Living the Trout Bum Life. Hey everybody, just wanted to hop in quickly and make a quick announcement before the show. Um, We are rapidly approaching flyathlon season and for those who aren't familiar with the flyathlon, It is a super fun race that happens a couple times each year, uh, and it's based around running, fishing, and drinking beer, which are three of my favorite things. Um, And if you'd like to hear more about the race, you can listen to episode one of the Fish Untamed podcast, where I interviewed Andrew Todd, the founder of Flyathlon. Uh, But in addition to being a really fun weekend with a lot of fun people, uh, the Flyathlon is also a fundraiser uh, to raise money for native cutthroat trout conservation. So if you have a couple extra dollars that you would be interested in donating to a great cause to support native cutthroat trout, go ahead and head over to my website, fishuntamed.com, and you'll find a menu at the top called Flyathlon Fundraiser. That link should take you to the fundraiser and you can donate there. And any amount is greatly appreciated. Um, this would be a great way to support the show and also support uh, a wonderful cause for native trout. So that's all I've got for you, and we can get on with the show. <laughs> Cheers.
2: <laughs> I couldn't to, wait. Uh, Cheers. <laughs> what are you drinking? Uh, an IPA.
1: All right, I've got a coffee.
2: <laughs> Kirkland. I got Kirkland Signature. Uh, that's That's how I can get some IPA out here.
1: I didn't know Kirkland had mm. IPAs.
2: <laughs> Uh, it's made by some brewery in California, and then sold under the Kirkland name internationally. Got it. <laughs> it's only available in the warm months. Anyway,
1: okay. well, cool. Yeah, it's been a long time since we've caught up, and uh, last time I saw you, I feel like you were still kind of getting the the hang of fly fishing. So I'm really excited to hear uh, you know what you've been up to since then. So you you know how I start them all off. I I'd, I'd like to hear how you got your start, and normally with my friends. That's not as much of a question, but I actually don't know how you got into fly fishing, so I'd love to hear that,
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess uh, just to to go back to the beginning, uh, i was I was born in Ohio and grew up on a farm and uh, grew up with a lot of bass and bluegill fishing, um, if I'm more honest, bluegill and then bass fishing uh, <laughs> as far as order of success. but uh, yeah. Started out bluegill fishing, bass fishing uh, in college, did a little bit of fishing. And then when I moved out west, uh, moving out west equals you have to learn how to fly fish for trout. Uh, so, <laughs> it's the only option.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right.
2: It's the only option. So yeah, I moved out west. My friends were going out on camping trips and whatnot. And uh, they would always be like, oh, yeah, we're fly fishing. And so it was like, well, if I, if I don't learn how to do this, then I'm gonna get left behind on all these camping trips. So um I went out and bought like a, a cheap outfit kit and got some flies and uh yeah, got into some some little fish and started picking up on it. And um then I got kinda I moved around uh the West as far as living in Utah and living in California and uh sometimes I'd fish more than other times. And then um We went on a trip. So we went on a trip together to Japan. And, um, that was my introduction. Yeah. That was my introduction to Niseko, which is where I live now. Um, and yeah, that, that kind of rerouted me. And, um, when around the, uh, around the pandemic, like the beginning of the pandemic, we were out ski touring. I had, Kind of similar to uh, when you interviewed Rick uh, Rick Wallace uh, from coming out to Japan too. Pack the fly rod. Didn't know if I'd actually get to use it or not. Uh, there was a guy I worked with from Oregon who tied flies and was like, "Yeah, come out, we'll fish." And that never came to fruition. So go go on this hut trip, and I strap my fly rod onto the side of my pack, and I'm like, you know what? The entire hike is along a river, like maybe this is an excuse to take a break Um, so i ended up fishing a little bit on the way home and we get back into service and we find out the pandemic's full-fledged next thing you know i've got a family emergency have to go back to the states and i'm stuck in the states stuck quote unquote in the states Um, and then that's when fly fishing just became uh, religious just every day <laughs>
0: I feel
1: like that's the first time I fished with you
2: yeah yeah i i, I mean i had I, I guess on one hand I could say i've I've fished for several years uh prior, um, but how much not on not on the same scale at all so. right
1: it's like the people who come out and ski once a year on a on a like a weekend trip and they're like i've been skiing for 40 right. years and it's like well you've got right. the same number of days in those years as some people get in a season so it's like <laughs> you yeah. have to take that away from you but it's not really the same thing as someone who goes out like all the time
2: i was the vacation skier of fly fishermen right time. <laughs> and uh and now I'm uh, the ski bum, uh, <laughs> aka a trail bum.
1: <laughs> uh, well, that's that's pretty cool, and I'm like, I'm really curious. I think I'm actually most curious to hear like what it's like to become, like what what you've made of this in Japan. Um, I have like no idea how that process would go down. So, I think that's maybe where I'd like to start. Is you moved to Japan after your inspiring ski trip there? Uh, and now you're, now you're like working in fly fishing in Japan. Um, and I have no idea how that process works. So like, walk me through how you got from, I took a fly rod on a ski tour to what you're doing now.
2: Yeah. So I, uh, I came back to the States and, and I had a, uh, I had a corporate job. I was a hotel manager. Um, and and did that for a long time, uh, did that for like a a decade of my life. So hospitality, hospitality has always been there. um, as far as like, uh, just showing people around an area, living in mountain towns, like living in a vacation, essentially for someone else all the time that, that aspect has, has been there. Um, as far as the fishing part, like I came back and, uh, couldn't, couldn't get back to Japan. Uh, needed to focus myself on something else and had fly rod, like uh, my partner's brother had a fly rod that I could, could borrow. Uh, I had some flies and like a fly box at, at her house, at her parents' house. And so I just went out to their horse pond and that everyone was like, there's no fish in there. Like, there's no fish in this pond. And I was like, I'm going to go find out. And I start hooking up on bass and I'm like, you're all wrong. There's, there's (laughs) bass in these ponds. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, just started fishing like crazy. Um, and then we, we ended up going to, uh, so we're waiting to find out what's going to happen. Um, we're kind of in limbo. So like Japan, I was able to get to the United States. However, I wasn't allowed to go back to Japan because they locked their border everyone like residents non-residents everyone oh i didn't know that and yeah yeah so there is a lot of people that were locked out for a while that for whatever reason they had to leave japan go home for for an emergency or whatever um and then they were stuck out of the country for for a long time um so i was one of them uh and it was weird i was a Felt like being a refugee, but in your own country, so you're not a refugee. Like, you know, like all my belongings are in Japan, and I've got this two pieces of luggage and a fly rod, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, I think the first time that so when we came up and fished with you, it was like what was in the car is what Bree and I had to our name in the United States. Like, it was it was very different. Uh, Then we ended up. She got accepted into Teton Science School, and we moved up to Grand Teton National Park. And uh, next thing you know, I'm getting to fish the Snake River and the Vent all the time. Um, I've got some some great people around me and, and influencing me. Um, I've got to give a shout out to my buddy, Nick Fiorini, who's a guide uh, out there in Wyoming. And he was like, dude, chase it. Like, go go for it. Just <laughs> go for it. Like if If this is what you love, just like go all in so um, yeah, kind of got back to japan and and had the ability at that okay there there's a year of time, and then I'm able to get back into Japan uh and we get we get back here, and I'm just like, all right, I'm going to just go all in on like putting like tying flies uh for uh not only myself but for friends. Um, If anybody wants to know about fishing in in the area, taking them out, guiding them, things like that. So just kind of starting up and and, um, I've spent countless days on the water uh, and every day is like another learning day out here. Um, It's definitely challenging in a sense of like everything you know from the States, now put it in a different language and then still know. Like, how to find that information. Like, right. Like, like the most, I I guess, like to me, I was like, oh, go get a hatch chart. Like, go to the shop and see what flies are working. Like, no, because you, you can't talk to the people all the way, or, or you pick up the book and it's not in English. The bug names aren't in English. Uh, so like, Jap, the Japanese, uh, the Japanese bugs don't have latin names they have japanese names so you can't you can't like you can't look up the up. latin name right right you have to like figure out like okay uh is this, this is a drake mayfly but what kind oh it's a Monca Ghetto. oh okay a Monca Ghetto. that is yeah, a I remember Drake that. mayfly Right. I feel like
1: you need the equivalent of uh, like when we were there, and we're obviously struggling with the same thing. Uh, you need the picture menus, where you just point to the picture and the you don't know, actually talk to the waiter at all. You just point to what you want, and that's what you get.
2: Uh, you are one hundred percent correct. Let me just go over to my desk here. Here is my version of a picture menu.
1: <laughs> right, that's what you need. Like you don't actually have to know what the thing is called. You just have to know what it looks like, and whether you have something that looks like that. So at yeah, the end of the day, yeah. it doesn't really matter that you know the names of those.
2: Right, right. Yeah. So I that's what I started doing was I, I just started going around and turning all the rocks, right? <laughs> like turning all the rocks. And if I saw like if I saw a certain type of bug, go home, tie something that looks like that bug, and tie something else that looks like that bug, and just keep going through the process of like tying it in different stages and then then they start hatching and it's like, okay, now I get to tie them a different way. And, and along that you do, it is nice because if you know the name, you can look up monkagero fly pattern, and then you'll be able to find Japanese, like the Japanese take on how to tie that bug. Um, but it, it is unique and fun because I, I'm not from here. I don't fish the same style as them. So We can look at the same bug and tie it two completely different ways. Um, Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun to go down those those holes of like, I've got a jar with a little bug in it, and I'm going to try to figure out how to make it this evening. Right.
1: (laughs) I definitely want to go down this rabbit hole of uh, fly tying. But before I get there, I wanted to ask you, when you were stuck in the U.S. for a year and you... You know, I assume you didn't know that you weren't coming back. So, like, was your stuff just in, like, an apartment? And what happened to it when you weren't there for a year? I mean, you know, you obviously... Great. I assume weren't still paying rent on an apartment you weren't living in for a year. Am I wrong about that? Uh,
2: no, I wasn't paying rent. I did have to pay taxes when I got back, but I didn't have to pay rent. So, is your stuff um, able to
1: just stay there?
2: Yeah. I, so, I had uh, I have some, some really good friends that I had made out here. And, um, yeah, they were like uh i mean like brothers and sisters to me and just like we got you like we'll we'll help you we'll get you taken care of got it um when i realized i wasn't going to make it back for winter they they packaged all my winter stuff that i needed and shipped it over to the states for me and then the rest of it stored it at their houses for me as well um so when we came back uh We had to ship some stuff because we had it shipped back already. So then we had to ship it back to Japan, um, as well as having just several pieces of luggage.
1: So these are these Japanese friends or are most of the people you've uh, connected with uh, English? Well, I guess Japanese and English speaking aren't mutually exclusive, but are your are your friends like mostly American or have you um, made friends with like the locals?
2: Uh, so my friends, my friends, Juan and Delphi uh, are Argentinian and they okay. helped me out with a lot of stuff. Um, they had actually, uh, they've, they've done, they've never summered from like Argentina to Tahoe several times over. And then they did Japan for a winter and that winter became like two and a half years. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. So they, they came over in, uh, 2020 <laughs> in the 1920 winter season and got, got stuck here for like three winters. Um, and then they just got back to, uh, to Patagonia here recently. Um, and then my other friends, uh, Will and Mykono, Will's Will's Australian and Mikono's, uh Japanese. And um, yeah, they have a great little cabin out here in this echo. They put some of my stuff up in the loft and, and we're just legends. <laughs>
1: That's good that you at least had a little bit of time there to make some like good connections before the pandemic hit. I feel like it probably would have been even more stressful had it happened like a month after showing up, like before you really have any oh, yeah. good friends.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I had been here two winter. Like everyone even though I'm here the year the whole year, it's a ski town, so everyone's like, I've been here two winters. But- yeah,
1: and summers and <laughs> falls and springs.
2: <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. So I had been here two winters and uh, <laughs> and then uh, the pandemic got me pu- pushed over into the States for a year. Uh, but... I mean, I landed in Jackson Hole, so I have no complaints.
1: <laughs> okay, question about winter have you um, Have you transitioned into becoming like a I just fish all year round just as hard, or are you like me where I kind of like I I will fish in the winter, but I mostly put the rod away for for pulling the skis out in the winter, and I'd say winter takes up like a quarter of my year, and I don't really I don't really fish a lot during that. Are you Are you now fishing year round just as hard, or do you still kind of like favor the snowboard in the winter?
2: Uh, I, I, I have to say snowboarding is my, is the first love. Uh, right? Uh, not, yeah. <laughs> it's not the true first love. I was fishing as a little kid before I was snowboarding, but snowboarding has been the past 20 years of my life. Um, and many, I'd say almost most of my close friendships have, have at least some root system that is based out mm-hmm. of skiing and snowboarding in it. Um, but I've I have uh, been spending a lot of time in the winter fishing as well. Um, I'd say, especially this past winter. I've, it's, uh, we can, we can kind of go into seasons here in a bit, but um, the winter time here, it's nice for me, I guess the way to put it is like, if you've seen Eric Jackson's uh, alignment, he put. I think he puts yeah. it best in the snowboard film where he's like going out and then like snowboarding and snowboarding and snowboarding. And then it's like, man, my body is taking a beating, and like I want to go just stand in the river and be calm for a moment and have that like surge of energy if I get a fish, but otherwise like pretty calming. It's it's the yin the yin and yang, right? <laughs> right.
1: So did you? I don't know if you saw that film in its two different versions. I. I I mean I know I'm thinking of the right film I and I'm pretty sure I saw it once at um like a ski film festival and I saw it once at a a the fly fishing film festival or film tour and it was two different edits of it and the fishing one oh. the one the one that they put on at the the fishing tour was probably like three quarters fishing and a quarter snowboarding. And then the one like the ski film festival was the opposite where it's like mostly him snowboarding with like a little clip of him fishing. And it was like fun to see that they had, you know, a lot more footage from both, but they edited them to fit whatever audience they were giving it to. And I was like, I love both of these. Like I'll watch this twice in different versions.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. When that came out, I was like, Oh, this is okay. This This is is what I want. (laughs) Yeah. This is what I'm about right here. All right. Like I said, split uh, going out splitboarding with a fly rod on the side of the pack.
1: (laughs) Well, honestly, that's kind of why I like, uh, like doing a really hard hike and then fishing at the end. Like I really, I don't like to just relax all the time. Um, but I also can't push myself all the time. So, you know, working your body to get somewhere and then being able to get to the top and sit down with a beer and, fish. It's like the perfect dichotomy of working hard and then like chilling at the end to just enjoy it and savor it. And that's kind of what I felt like he was getting at, which I I also really liked.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, this season uh, we went on a hut trip that was, uh, we went up to this, uh, to the Mune Hut. And when we went up there, there's no rivers around there uh, where we were at. And so I brought the vice with me instead. <laughs> I, I, I like brought the vice with me, and and in the evenings I'd just tie some flies.
1: <laughs> okay, so this brings us back to fly or er, fly tying, which I'd like to get into because you, uh, I can almost guarantee, are a much better fly tire than I am. Uh, I am still very new to it and kind of like dabbling <laughs> when I can. Uh, and it sounds like you have like really immersed yourself in that side. So um, I want to hear how you got into that and like where are you at right now in your fly tying journey, if you will? And then like, what, how is fly tying, how is it unique to Japan? Like, is there a difference between fly tying in Japan and like U S patterns? Like what have you, what have you experienced?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, as far as how I got into it, I, I have to give my mother some credit here because she bought me when I said I was interested in, or I was going to go fly fishing in uh utah she got me a fly tying vice for christmas that year because she just like looked up like fly fishing gifts and it was like get him a vice so she got me a vice and i never used it until uh i think like in in 2020 actually was when i like first was like you know what i'm gonna learn how to do this and i sat down of course went straight to the woolly bugger because I was I was like sick of paying for them so I was like I'm gonna right. get the spice and I'm gonna like learn how to tie woolly buggers because I'm sick of losing them to all these bass <laughs> and so I'm like tying woolly buggers and uh I filled a box like pretty quick just full of wo- woolly buggers and then was like oh okay well what else do I want to tie like what other bug do I need like what else is going to catch fish and I just started going whichever direction would catch fish. So at first I'm sitting in, I I think I had, I think I had a fishing license to like seven different states while I was stuck in the the US. (laughs) So I was like fishing like Texas and then fishing Ohio and then going through Colorado and then checking out why. And then I moved to Wyoming and was living there, which inevitably, pushes you to go up and fish in Idaho and go out and fish in Montana. And so I'm just kind of like bopping around everywhere. And, and every time I'd go, it's like, I'd go into the fly shop, like what's working. And they're like, Oh, here's this. and I'm like, okay, well, I I had a, a guy in the fly shop. Tell me the rule of three. Have you heard this?
1: Is that for fly tying? Is that like, you have to tie at least three, so you or you no is it take you take at least three so you've got one to one to use one to lose and one to give away or something like that.
2: That's that's it yeah. Okay yeah, yeah. okay.
1: I think I've heard it so, in the context so of like, tying like you always tie three so you've got one to lose one to use and one to give away.
2: <laughs> yeah yeah. So that's uh, that's what they told me in the shop. They were like you should get everything in threes and so I'd be like all right, and I would do that and then lose two and then be like <laughs> oh now I. I can't let go of this one, and I can't fish yeah. it because it's the like the model. It's my model. I can't lose my model. <laughs> and so, right.
1: I've heard that same thing, and I'm like, I can't. I, three is not enough. I'm gonna lose three, and then go go buy more. Yeah. <laughs> like that's that's right. that's my <laughs> uh, numerical system.
2: <laughs> yeah. They just started being like, here, buy three, and then also this twenty pack of hooks. You'll need this color dubbing, and you're gonna need some uh, some deer hair. Here you go. Like. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, I, I just started going in, I, living in Jackson there or outside of Jackson. I would go into JD's, uh, JD High Country Outfitters, and I would go into the Orvis shop there in Jackson and, and go into both those places and just kind of be like, what's working? How do I tie it? And I would just get lessons from some of the, these great tires out there in Wyoming. And they would just be like, oh, yeah, here, come over here. 15 minutes, just give me a demo on how to tie the fly and then send me packing with the, with the materials I need so that inevitably I come back into the shop next week and go, here's what I got it looking like. What's next? And they're like, oh, those are already done this week. So now you need to tie this bug. Yeah. <laughs> so it just kept, kept going and kept going. And um, it's funny because when I got to winter fishing this year, I was like, oh, midges, like what's the problem that's the easiest thing to
1: tie of them all
2: (laughs) oh it is but the size 20 hooks i'm just i would i would much rather tie uh i think i'd rather sit down and and take the time to tie like a good looking articulated streamer than to just tie like a dozen little zebra midges
1: oh that's funny i i guess i haven't gotten as far as you have in fly tying but like you know, if I need midges, I'm like, oh good, I can like whip up a couple of those without trying. Like it's it's a relief to me.
2: I think I've got like sausage fingers, so it's just <laughs> it doesn't work. I get I get to like the twenty hook and I'm just like, How do I put this on the vise? Like my fingers are blocking it. From <laughs> Fair enough. Like I, I, I would use magnets and just like Magnetize the hook, and then put it to the vise, and then clip the vise onto it, <laughs> and then be like, "Okay, I'm on. I got it." <laughs> and then when I'm done, drop it in the cup. Don't try to like grab it out. You'll oh, yeah. lose
1: it. Yeah, I definitely dropped a lot on the floor. That I am like, well, the vacuum will find it someday.
2: <laughs> oh, oh no, 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 no. That's that's when you take the the magnet on your on your net, and you just swing it over everywhere around your feet until it picks up the hook and then and then you're you're safe to move <laughs> otherwise you get a hook in the foot <laughs> right.
1: as as far as like flies in japan have you found I, I guess this is not really as much fly tying as it is just hatches like what are they what are the insects like compared to those in the u.s mm. and then i guess coming back to fly tying do, do they have different tying styles for those insects yeah
2: yes so they do they do and and it's it's cool to go see um Like, so the nearest fly shop to us here in Niseko is about two hours away. There was one close in our town, but the doors have been closed. So, um, it's it's about a two two and a half hour drive to get down to Sapporo. And down in Sapporo, there's a couple good shops that I go to. and uh i'll go down there and look at their flies and they've they've got some really cool patterns they're they're a little different than some of the stuff that we see uh just kind of approach on materials and um and then uh, there's like i i don't really Tinkara fish but there's like a whole world of of flies i mean (laughs) there's not they normally use one fly only pretty much but you know, they, they've got their patterns that I'm like, uh, yeah.
1: That's kind of what I was wondering. Like, I wasn't sure if other, if their regular, like, quote unquote, non Tenkara flies were kind of tied in the same style, or if Tenkara, if that Tenkara shape is, is very unique to Tenkara fishing, which it shouldn't be. I mean, it shouldn't, what's, what's on the end of your line shouldn't really relate to what rod you're using, but, um, I, I know that Tenkara flies are specific.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I um, I I'll use Tinkara for like if, if someone's a beginner. Um I I just took out um uh, my landlord's kid, uh he wanted to introduce him to fishing and so I was like, Yeah, absolutely, let's get him out there. So we got him a little Tinkara rod and I just made him some like basic Tinkara flies. It's funny though because like I, I watched like a Tinkara recipe on it on YouTube and, and was like, Okay, like this guy is like Tinkara fly, Tinkara fly, Tinkara fly. It it looked like a soft tackle to me.
1: It kind of looks like a soft tackle that got reversed. Like it's facing the wrong way.
2: Yeah. And I I think in general, uh, I don't think the fish are getting that picky to it. um, As far as like, if the, if the feathers curling up one way versus the other, I I don't see that being a, something that's going to stop a, Hyper little trout for meeting another bug.
1: Right. I feel like the fish like throwing up its little pinky, being like, no, that's not fancy enough for yeah. my taste.
2: <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I've seen, I've also seen some interesting little uh, like streamer, like smaller streamer patterns. Um, I think they're more, it, it could be just because I'm not near, I've been in landlocked states. And so, or or not fishing near the coast area um and here there's some bait fish that that will come in from the sea and so there's like some different bait fish that they're working with and so some of the streamer patterns are a little different because of that um as far as dry flies uh i saw a spider pattern recently which i thought was interesting like doesn't seem like I just haven't seen, like like in the States, uh, it's never been something like, oh, you'll need a spider pattern today.
1: I distinctly remember when I first started guiding, um, we had like a communal big fly bin that, you know, the guides could pull flies from. And I was just starting out. And so I, I was like, oh, I'm going to trust you guys to tell me like what flies work around here. And so I took like some from the box. And there was this one called a tarantula that was just this little... It looked like a tiny tarantula, like a big fat spider. And I was like, oh, I, you know, we obviously use these. So I like put a bunch in my box and I don't know if I've ever used one. <laughs> like,
2: yeah. And, well, today, ironically, I saw a spider fall on the water and was like struggling on the surface. And I'm just like, oh, this is it. This is when you use that fly. Like, <laughs> Did it get eaten? The perfect example. No, it didn't.
1: Oh, well, then I don't <laughs> think you need to use that fly.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, don't worry I'm not I'm not tying spiders (laughs) but yeah that was uh I saw some of the different patterns like that um deer hair like uh deer hair cicada patterns were uh pretty popular um or are pretty popular um I had a guy in the fly shop I came in and had my had my Kelly Gallup hat on and he like came up to me and he's like, Oh, I got to show you this. And he had a, like a boogeyman, like an articulated boogeyman fly. And I'm like, Oh, okay, nice. You guys, (laughs) I didn't, didn't see that coming uh, out here in Japan, but they were really excited to show me like, Oh, check out. We've been like modeling our flies from what we see in the States. So um, yeah, I think I, I've tried to watch some Japanese fly tires on YouTube because um, I don't really need to list. I don't. I can learn language just by watching them tie and being like, "Oh, I think he's saying do this" because he's doing this action. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, typically I end up kind of diverting to the patterns I know work. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, there's there's a lot of classic pat like. You know, you're you're not going to go wrong with a pheasant tail nymph. <laughs> you can, yeah. You can fish a pheasant tail nymph any time of the year, pretty much, and a fish will eat it if it's in its face.
1: I think that's something I've come to terms with. Like there was a time where I was like, I need to understand and you know someday be able to tie like basically every pattern that I could possibly ever need and carry you know every single pattern in my box. And I've I've kind of come to the terms with the fact that 90 percent of the time I'm using one of about. Six to seven flies. And if I carried nothing but those six to seven flies for the rest of my life, I probably wouldn't catch that many fewer fish than I am right now. And You're like, right, I, right, I just right. had to like become comfortable with that, that it, you know, it's you don't have to go all out. And it's like if I have a box full of pheasant tails, hairs ears, parachute atoms, BWOs, and you know, like a woolly bugger and maybe a copper John and a midge, that's like 90% of what I'm going to fish in Colorado. And I'm not going to have to like go, yeah, go outside yeah. that
2: and you could fish those here too
1: yeah I mean I, and I think the the other beauty of those is they work like I, I'm guessing basically worldwide for trout like yeah trout are trout yeah. and they eat they eat various like
2: <laughs> universal things exactly exactly it's uh there's there's a lot of challenges living here um, understanding what the trout is going to eat isn't as hard as I make it on myself sometimes <laughs> 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 a lot of times it's just uh i mean there there are times you have to get a little picky and and be sure to use a certain color or or getting the size right of something is is very important um but yeah like you said i don't need to know the name of the of the specific type of mayfly that i'm dealing with just kind of the size and color right
1: for sure now, speaking of speaking of challenges, uh, you mentioned that you want to talk about like the the challenges you faced becoming a guide in a foreign country, especially a foreign country that I didn't realize like how little English is spoken in Japan until I went. I assumed that being you know a first world country that you know interacts with the U.S. a lot that a lot of people would speak English, and that just was not the case. Um, so, what has that been like dealing dealing with uh, a very strong language barrier? <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it, it's definitely challenging. Um, I practice Japanese. Uh, I, I'm I'm doing pretty good on Duolingo. I've got quite the, the oh streak. We got
1: to be friends on Duolingo. Up.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm uh, I've I've got like a 500-some day streak going. Oh wow! And <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm I'm faithful to it, uh, but it doesn't teach me many fishing words, so. <laughs> um, i go uh, i i guess just kind of to back up it it's challenging in that you got to learn everything it becomes harder like going to water and being like can i fish here i like what's the what's the rules like in the states i would load up onyx and it would tell me public or private what kind of land Everything. I knew like what the rules were based on what it loaded up on my map. And here you don't really have that. So it's more like, am I allowed to go down this farmer's road? Like, can I just be fishing in the river here? Um, and honestly, it's not, it's more accessible than you think here. Um, you are able to get into the water a lot easier. Um, but sometimes other things too is like there will be times of the year where you're not allowed to catch uh salmon for example so they'll have signs up and the signs completely in japanese and so i'm sitting there with google translate like reading the sign and changing it or um they really like you might remember they really love mascots Uh, (laughs) so (laughs) you'll go up to like a parking spot next to the river and there will be a sign with like a mascot dragon coming out of the water and like grabbing a kid by the ankle while he's playing baseball too close to the river. And it's like, what what is going on here? And and the sign, then you translate the sign and it's like, sometimes the dam gets turned on with little warning and children shouldn't play by the water unattended, it's dangerous.
1: I think the US <laughs> needs more of this. I'd like to see instead <laughs> of like, da- like caution, like, damn could be open at any time. Like, I'd like to see a dragon, you know, snatching up a child and saying, this could yeah. happen to you. <laughs>
2: Just pulling them in. Yeah. Like, like, for the adult, there's written words that's like, here's a logical explanation of what can happen. And for the kid, it's like a terrifying cartoon of someone that <laughs> was playing and got in trouble. <laughs> and so as the adult who's going out fishing, which arguably could be playing, it's it's like what well, what do i do here am i do i need to worry about this thing in the water <laughs> uh but yeah it's it's interesting you have uh you have a lot of language barrier challenges um with signage around the river so it's you start learning what is what's good what's not good um some of the lakes around here have seasons and they have uh, zones that you can't fish in as well um, so one time I, I went to the lake one time didn't know any better and was just like cast in like nobody's at this campground the whole thing's closed for for COVID still and so I'm just like oh I got the place to myself this is so nice and then a woman comes like screaming through the woods and she's like police police and I'm like, what no, no 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 I'm sorry like line in line in Like just gathered all my things went to my car and like drove away and was like oh 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 man i am i'm not trying to break any laws here i don't know what i did and so then you go home and you're like googling the lake and like trying to find any kind of regulation and it's like oh that beach is closed to fishing even though the campground's closed to the public okay didn't know that. Now I do. Mark that on my list here.
1: You know, language barrier so. or not, you never want someone running at you yelling "police." <laughs> that is, no, that's universally no. a bad sign.
2: <laughs> no, at first she was yelling in Japanese, and then she saw like she saw me and was like, "Just police, police." <laughs> oh, I know that word. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so is it more because I know you said you want to talk about seasons and I wasn't sure if that was yeah. because of the, you know, different uh, fishing conditions or like it, it kind of sounds like our closures more season based than they are private land based or like how, how do you know if you can fish somewhere um, just based on like private land?
0: They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
2: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do?
1: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and
0: a member FDSE. Uh,
2: um, so as far as private land goes, um, most of it is is around, where, around here in Niseko, there's if you're near Harafu, like when when we came on our trip out here to go skiing, we were staying around Harafu resort area, or we were staying uh, or like visiting over in Kiroro resort area or yeah. Rassatsu resort area. Um, so around the resort areas, it's a little different because you have a lot of uh, a lot of people that buy vacation homes um, and a lot uh, different different type of private property, I guess. Different like demographic um, of
1: people. Property, yeah, there. okay, yeah,
2: yeah. So that land you don't necessarily want to be trouncing around on, um, but then where I live, I live out in the Seco town um, and I'm surrounded by farmland. So uh, if I go, I'll, I'll drive, there will be farmer access roads that follow some of the rivers, they just go right along the river um, so that the farmer can access their, their different crops. Also, um, so that the uh, electric company can access different dams that they have on there or the farmers can access dams that they have on there. Um, and so I'm able to drive on those spots and just I just make sure to pull off so that anyone can get around my car and park. And I've never had problems with, with going out fishing that way. So um, it's just kind of a, a respect thing. Like if somebody comes out to you, like one time I had a farmer come out to talk to me and I had just fished the spot. no nothing. like no fish, snags everywhere. And I was like, yep, oh, take this off my list of spots to to go to. And uh, I'm coming back to the car, removing the pin off my map and everything and this farmer rolls up and he's like trying to talk to me and I told him uh, in Japanese, like I can't speak very much Japanese. I'm sorry. I'm I'm fishing today. And, uh, he just kind of like chuckled back at me and just shook his head. Like, oh, like you're not gonna, he said something and then just laughed and shook his head and got back in his truck and he pulled out one way and I pull out the other way.
1: Was it, was it like came a, home. was it like a, Oh honey, there's no fish in here type chuckle?
2: Yeah. 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 It definitely <laughs> felt like that. <laughs> like, like, Oh <laughs> yeah. Have fun. You, you could fish here anytime, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, for the most part, I, I've never really had uh, anyone come out and say anything to me. Normally, I'm normally I'm picking up trash on the way out. So they're like, hey, there's the foreign guy that's like that picking up, yeah. up the spot for us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's
1: good. I, and I um, feel like I noticed that a little bit moving out west and not that there aren't stream laws in every state, but. I couldn't tell you what the stream laws were in Pennsylvania growing up because there was kind of this ethos of like river life, like people would float and so people would get out on the bank, you know, you didn't always like really check, you know, as long as there wasn't a house right there on shore, you weren't like, oh, is this land public or private? Like you just get out as long as there's not someone's yard right there. And in Colorado, that is not... Okay, like you you really need to check because people care a lot more about somebody coming up on their land. And yeah. I don't know I don't know what that is apart from just a culture thing. Like there's not the same river culture out here. It's a different river culture than it was back east, which was more like, you know, lazy river float with a cooler and, you know, you you could see like 100 boats <laughs> yeah. go past in a day of people just relaxing and enjoying the river. And out here that's not the case. And it's it's weird how um laws versus local culture like if the farmers cool with you if all the farmers are cool with you being there then you don't really need to check whether it's you know uh, able to be accessed yeah
2: i i would jump in there and say that is at least the case for here in hokkaido Um, Fair, yeah might might be a little bit different in honshu uh or just in other parts of japan um i did i did get to go and do a little fishing down in honshu this spring and when i was down there. The farmers, like we went on the the little rice paddy road to get to the river and parked down there and nobody nobody came down or talked to us or anything. And I mean, I could see everyone's back porch. So um, it didn't seem like something that they cared about, that Mm -hmm. that we were down there fishing at all. Um, It was just, if anything, now those rivers you had to have a daily license for. So. If anything, it probably would have been someone coming to check and make sure your ticket's good.
1: So tell me, tell me about the seasons then, since uh, you wanted to bring that up. Yeah. Um, You know, how how does the fishing evolve throughout the year?
2: So I uh, kind of starting, I'll I'll just start when the snow starts. Um, So in December, we start getting a lot of snow, like December through March, a ton of snow. Um, Going out fishing, it's definitely like if you go out for an hour and a half, like, you did good. Uh, that's a, that's a good day on a cold river. Um, it's, it's a good time for me. It's good because all the plants are down and you're able to see like the contour of the land and you're able to see, like, you can just see so much more. Um, there's, Everything, everything's matted down. You can, especially in the spring, like towards like March, you can walk across the snow pretty easy in waders. And so um, I'm able to walk out to places that normally might take 30, 45 minutes to walk out to. I'm able to like straight line to them from the road in like 10 minutes. Um, So that just really opens up a lot as far as like scouting and also just like getting to where the the fish are actually holding um, at a reasonable time for for fishing. Um, And then March, so March through May, uh, we have, I I didn't write down the average snowfall that we get here, but it's some of the deepest snowfall uh, counts in, in the world as far as like Northern Japan's snow is is pretty famous as far as how deep it gets. So uh, March through May, it starts melting off and uh, our runoff can get pretty intense here for a little while. Um, We get so there's there's a lot of dams and and you're able to you can fish sections of river, uh, basically like the tailwaters of Mm -hmm. of the different dams. You'll be able to fish them, and then like one day you'll you'll come, and it's just like nope, they opened it up for the year. Like it's done. Chalk that one off for like a month or three weeks um, because it just it blows out so so much. It just looks like a completely different river. They actually run whitewater rafting tours. Like uh, I was fishing it one day, like guiding a guy fishing on on it one day, uh, and then the next day they were doing whitewater tours on it, uh, and we were waiting. So it's like, oh, okay, that that changed quick when right? they uh, flipped the gate open there. So um, yeah, the runoff gets pretty deep, um, and then you start seeing bugs coming up uh, around April, May. You start seeing bugs coming up. Uh, of the first mayfly hatches and then it's you watch this transition it it's crazy how i don't know how to explain it without like seeing it like that this transition from a place that has some of the deepest snow in the world to being a jungle just a deep jungle so that's why i'm like oh when all the plants are down you can see things Mm -hmm. because the jungle will grow so tall like one of the places that I'm thinking on is right now I went out there a couple days ago and it was the plants that are completely down on the ground in the winter are 15 feet overhead right now. Like all of a sudden they are beyond being a problem for a back cast. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then, and then we have other plants that come up and they're the size of an umbrella like one leaf is the size of an umbrella. Um, I, I've literally like just gone under them. If it's really raining, I've just gone underneath of their canopies and just, it's like dry underneath them because they're so big. So you, you see this jungle just come out of the ground and everything just starts getting so big and so jungly so fast. And the bugs do it too. Like the bugs, it's like, oh, we've got like midge hatch, midge hatch. Oh, look, a couple of mayflies came up and then boom, drakes. Like just giant huge. mayflies, caddis. There, there's a type of caddis. Uh, I've got it written down somewhere here. the The Higinga uh, caddis is it's like a this huge caddis fly that comes up. It it competes with a drake as far as size, um, and so you get these huge caddises, these huge mayflies, um, and then that's kind of the prime comes into the prime fishing season for a lot of people um that just only fly fish in like the prime fly fishing season, that's gonna be May through July. There's just there's tons of bugs. Uh, there's a lot of jungle, but there's a lot of fish. Um mm-hmm. they're pretty active and everything. Um and then you then you get into July and August and it's it's hot. Uh the river is getting low. Uh, you've probably had, who knows how many fish be harvested. Um, and it, it it gets tough. (laughs) It's, it gets to be tough, tough sledding there in in August. Um, and then September kind of turns around and it's like, it's summer's coming to an end. Everything knows it. The fish are like, we need to fatten up before we can't anymore. Um, and so the bite is like back on. So I, I'd say there's a little bit of a lull there when it gets really yeah. hot in summer. Um, I think Rick mentioned it's kind of a, a sharp, sharp summer in Hokkaido. And yeah, it's like there's there's at least like a three week time frame where it's it's rough going out to the river because it's just so hot. You you pretty much you have to go out in the morning and the sun rises here at like four in the morning. So you, you got to go out on the water at like four in the morning and then you got to stay up almost equally late to try to get those two pockets of like reasonable time because the rest of the day it's 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 a it's a nice walk on a river <laughs> yeah i feel
1: like that's that's kind of um like common i, I mean it sounds like it's more pronounced there, just because of how hot it gets and how early the day starts. But you know, I feel like a lot of people would identify with like August being just a tough time to go out. Like the world just seems like yeah. it's trying to escape the heat of the day. Like everything is just you know trying to make it through that yeah. that hot part of the day, and it no one really wants to be out there doing anything.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh it's definitely like it, and, and you and it's not like you want to here here in Hokkaido it's rare form to have air conditioning because it's a cooler temperature area. Um, and so those three weeks you don't want to be sitting inside. It's not like, it's not like in the winter when it's like, Oh man, it's really, it's really rough out there. You can sit inside and tie flies. It's like, no, you you don't want to sit inside and tie flies. You probably still want to go and walk in the river because it's cool. Yeah. But <laughs> if you fall in, you're, you're like, Oh, Oh no, oh no! I fell in. <laughs> I'm swimming. What do you know?
1: <laughs> and then uh, from oh, fall yeah. to winter, does it just you? You said the snow picks up in December, then, and so from then through yeah, December, so,
2: yeah, it, it starts picking up, and um, you start getting snow. I had, I think my biggest, the biggest, I think the biggest rainbow I got in uh, in in like 2021 would have been in december like third week of december so i actually went snowboarding during the day and then went and and uh went fishing in the second half of the day and got rewarded for it um and but yeah then then it's kind of it gets pretty tough it it gets tough too because of just how deep the snow is so getting to the river is uh getting down into the river is is an experience um yeah, a lot of like sledding down I'm sure like, hills of snow and just like I hope this is real underneath me and not just a shelf of snow like I'm on a cornice here.
1: Oh yeah, that's that's a big thing here too. Like especially in the spring when things yeah. start melting out. I had one of those the other day. I was like, "I think I'm crossing over a stream that I can't see, but I'm not sure."
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe there's water here. <laughs> yeah, so th- then We, we have like, we get a lot of like, uh, like some of the bigger jungle plants start dying off. Um, and then we get a lot of like autumn leaves. The autumn leaves are beautiful. Um, and so you have like, that's when you get like the, the really scenic backdrop pictures of like, oh, there we are fly fishing in the perfect autumn colors. Um, so we get that for a little bit. It's funny because I'll post pictures through the year and sometimes it looks like I'm in an absolute jungle and other times it's like, oh, you're like somewhere out west. Like it just, it just looks like normal fall foliage Mm -hmm. out there. Uh, But it's like, no, there's bamboo at the bottom of the tree.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Pick out what in this photo doesn't, doesn't, doesn't uh, make sense.
2: Yeah, yeah. Something in here doesn't make sense.
1: So what's what's next for you then? Like where what are you what are your plans?
2: Yeah. I kind of uh so I, I got we touched on it a little bit. I, I got out here and was uh I didn't want to drive two and a half hours to the fly shop every time I needed flies and was tying like a madman anyway. And so I started just tying more than I needed. Uh and then that led to me giving some friends uh flies and then having, having people contact me to be like, Hey, I need to buy some flies. Do you have any, do you have any flies available? Um, and that kind of grew into like, Hey, you sell the flies, you know how to fish the flies. Do you want to take me out to the water and, and show me like how to fish them and show me these spots that you're going to and, and, um, yeah, I guess that's kind of how it, it slid into becoming guiding, uh, for me. So, Pretty exciting. That's what I've been putting a lot of my focus in is uh, just tying a bunch of flies, getting an inventory loaded up and um, and getting people out on the water when I can. So um, we have as far as where Japan's at right now um, and its next stages. So Japan has had the borders locked um, to everyone else for uh, since March 2020. and they are just now, they're getting ready to, they just opened up to, like, organized tour groups. So the only way you can come to Japan right now is on an organized tour group. You can't leave the tour group. You have to, like, do everything to agenda. Um, and if anything goes wrong, everyone gets shipped back to the United wow. States or wherever they came from. Yes, yeah, it's, it's uh, baby steps right now. Yeah, I, I, uh, I thought you we were
1: past that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh <laughs> not not as much as we'd like here um I think a a lot of people uh obviously, I don't have my pulse on as much of the the Japanese side of it, but I think a lot of a lot of people here are kind of like, okay, the rest of the world's resuming, like we Japan is in an insane amount of debt from one subsidizing the the pandemic but also not having the borders open to any foreign dollars coming in. Um, So they're working on getting opened and uh, we're optimistic. I know a lot of the ski resorts are selling rooms um, and they're booking, they're booking hotels and booking vacations for winter. Um, So optimistic that the borders will open up more on a normal scale here soon. Um, But yeah, in the meantime, I've been working with a lot of other, so Gaijin is, is foreigner. Um, in Japanese, so I've been working with a lot of other gaijins, uh so a lot of other foreigners that are here in Japan, um, as well as working with some military. Uh, so my brother's in the army, and and recommended to me, he's like, you should you should start contacting these military guys because they can't leave the country either, and they are bored out of their mind, I imagine. So um, I was able to link up with some soldiers and help them get out and get kind of uh, away from everything and be out on the water. Um, But yeah, so excited for the borders to open up because that means more people can start showing up. And um, I I love showing people Hokkaido. I I think when we we came here, it's so funny to have you of anyone asking me because when we came here, it was new to both of us and it was like, oh, wow. And then now I feel like it's like, yeah. Still here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, everyone, uh, the rest of the group
1: left and you're still stuck yeah. there. I,
2: I remember, like the third day of that trip, I was like, "I'm moving here," and everyone's like, "You're on a vacation high. Calm down." And uh, and sure enough, by that next winter, I was out here, and and now I think I've had three three winters now, <laughs> three four winners now, three. So it's been uh, it's been a fun experience.
1: We definitely want to make it back to Japan, but I I'm a little torn because when we went up there to ski, like the snow was was fantastic by anyone else's standards, but by Japanese standards it wasn't that great. Um yeah. like for Colorado it would have been great, but for Japan we we're like, wow, we were told we'd have five feet, not three feet. <laughs> like <laughs> like that kind of <laughs> uh, that kind of thing. And so I'm torn between when I come back, do I wanna come back in the winter again and try for like that ultimate Japanese skiing experience? Or do I want to come yeah. back in the summer yeah. and, like, see it during another season? Because the only downside of being there in the winter um, for skiing was that, like, you, skiing was the only thing we really did. I mean, we, we toured around, like, Tokyo and stuff. Yeah. um, But the the only activity we did was skiing. And I'm, like, there's so many other things that we could do there in the summer. But I'm, like, I still have this kind of, like, unfilled need to, like, experience a true, like, Japanese winter, um, like, with all the snow. Yeah. And so I'm, like... I yeah, don't know what to yeah. do. Like, I don't know when we should go back. Maybe, maybe one of each. But I definitely want to try fishing there. I, at some. Point. I
2: keep, I keep telling myself like, what you experienced this past year is not ever going to happen again, and that's that's okay because the, we had closed borders. So you so had to it yourself. Was like Yeah. Like no, there was no tourism. If there was tourists, it was like, oh man, like. 10-minute lift line, the Tokyo crowd is crazy this weekend. <laughs> I mean, it was, and I'm sure there's people listening that are just like, this is not entertaining anymore. Right. Uh, but, like, this guy, this isn't fair. Um, but yeah, it, we we just had uh, a bit of a blessing in a way of, of just having like no crowd and got to have the deep days and just mm. ride until your legs are shot and and call it a day or, or go fish. But um, yeah, I, I guess one thing I, I did want to loop it back into to fishing real quick um, and say one, one thing that's really nice here in Hokkaido is we, we do have a lot of species to, to target and to, to come after. Um, I know uh, you talked a little bit with Rick about some of them, as far as like um, we have like the Yamame and the white spotted, uh, the white spotted char the Ito, as far as native species, Uh, we've got rainbow trout, we have brown trout. Um, Salmon is a tough one. Salmon has a lot of weird regulations and uh, you can get in a lot of trouble if you don't know how to explain to someone uh, that you are not salmon fishing. Um, Yeah, I've heard the horror stories of, of foreigners spending a day in jail because they didn't know if they had a salmon or a trout and the police didn't know if they had a salmon or a trout. Oh. So they kept them at the jail all day until someone comes in to be like, that's a trout.
1: All right. Well you can't if I, you can't identify the you trout, you can't arrest it. someone for it. I feel like that's the rule. <laughs> like,
2: yeah. Yeah.
1: You gotta you gotta be able to identify uh, a salmon if you're gonna arrest someone for it.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, then we have uh carp, of course. I mean, they're everywhere, right? Um, and then there's, uh, sea fishing as well. Um, I know I have looked at, I, I believe you can fish permit down in Okinawa. Oh, really? So I've kind of like, I've been like, Oh, do a little salt fishing down in Okinawa.
1: <laughs> we're actually talking about doing a saltwater trip for, uh, our honeymoon. Cause we'd like to dive, oh, and, really? dive and fish. So we're like looking for spots that can, uh can handle both of those kind of in the same way like snowboarding and fishing like diving is also really exhausting uh i don't know if you've gone scuba diving but it's just
2: just went scuba diving for the first time really like uh, like two weeks ago uh not even and uh there was much to learn uh like equalizing was a challenge for me and i thought my head was in a vice yeah Uh, but now i know what to expect so when i go back i'm like I'm like, oh, type two fun. I want to do it again. But in the moment, I was like, this is terrible. It is I'm overwhelming.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's definitely like a new yeah. Yeah. sensation. And, and Mike's never gotten to do it. And diving used to be a, like a big part of my life that I obviously don't get to do oh, much okay. in Colorado. So I'm like, man, we, we've been wanting to go diving for so long. But like, I've also never gone saltwater fly fishing. Um, So I'd really like to check both of those. Boxes off the list, like go diving with him, and then relax in the evening with uh, a little like flats fishing, and you know mix mix those two activities and throughout the trip. So uh, I didn't know Japan had much like like I didn't know there were permit in Japan.
2: Yeah, they they've got. I mean, again, there's there's going to be a different name for it. So um, I was like going around. I'm like, and of all the fish, you can't type permit into a Google search fishing and, permit, and Google's like, oh, you meant the fish. I've got oh, the permit you didn't for need you a yeah. license. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so so I like just started showing pictures of permit to Japanese people until someone finally was like, Oh no, no, no. Like this is the name that you need to look for. Um, and then I found it. So I mean, same thing, a rainbow trout is a Nijimasu. So uh, I'll tell someone like, Oh rainbow trout and they might look at me with a question and then I'll say Nijimasu and they're like, Oh, oh got oh, it, got yeah, it, yeah. Nijimasu, nice. Nice.
1: <laughs> that uh so. made me think of one uh, like quick little tangent, just like googling uh, you know fishing permit, Japan, and you're like you're obviously gonna be getting like Japanese fishing licenses. Uh, you, are you con- I'm familiar with the concept of like the fastest known time in like trail running or biking?
2: Uh, I've heard of that. okay, yeah. so it's
1: basically like for whatever given trail whoever's run it the fastest and has logged it on their GPS, like they get the fastest known time for that. Route well. There's a uh, a new thing called fastest known fish, where you like run a trail, catch a fish on the way, and whoever like does that trail the fastest and catches a fish on it gets the fastest known fish. Um, might be up your alley if you're interested in that. <laughs> but uh, I was I was googling because I was like, oh, I want to get back to that web page so I can read about this again. And I typed in fastest known fish, and it was just like sailfish, and I was like, no, 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 not. <laughs> I wasn't looking for the fastest <laughs> fish in the world. <laughs>
2: That's not that's not what I meant, that's,
1: right? And I could not, not I like get Google to understand. Like, no, I want like fastest known fish. The event,
2: yeah. Uh, I would. So, if someone is wanting to come out to uh, fish in Hokkaido, uh, and they're looking for a fishing permit, not fishing for permit, um, <laughs> there are some some lakes and uh, some rivers here to be aware of of like having a license and everything. Okay. Um, So before uh, there's a a bunch of people or or a few people wanting to be like, oh, I'm going to come to Hokkaido and just fish anywhere because Nick said it's fine. Uh, There there are some lakes and and some rivers that do require uh, licenses. Uh, One of my favorite spots to go to is is Lake Akan and the Akan River. And um, there ran as a catch and release program uh, there by the, the local tribe. Uh, the Iñu tribe and they have uh, the rivers awesome to fish. Um, but they will come around and they will check your permit every day. Um, like, we, we, I'd go fishing, and the same guy would find me like three different times throughout the day. And he just drives around, and anytime he sees a car pulled over, he just like parks his car and just starts walking until he finds whoever's car that is and then checks your fishing permit and then goes back to his car. And and tells you to be scared of the bears. Does he you check you every time
1: he sees you, or does he has he gotten to know you and is like, ah, oh, no, I know this guy. Uh,
2: no, no, it's funny because we, I, I, I'm, I'm not afraid to go and fish like in like park one place and fish that place the whole day, but i will also have days where i'm like i'm gonna go to these different pins Mm -hmm. and like i'm gonna fish this spot for two hours and i'm gonna move to this spot and then i'm moving this spot this guy like i moved three times and he he came and found me all three times and it's like i'm in the same car it's got the (laughs) same fish sticker on the back of it like you (laughs) have checked me and i feel bad because i'm like out there like like the one time we were way out there, and he like walked in the rain all the way to find me and come to just like, can I see your your permit? No, <laughs> yeah, you've seen it twice today. <laughs> like two hours ago, you saw it, and me. How many people look like me out here?
0: <laughs>
2: but yeah, it's it's uh it, it is nice going to those places though because um not all of our rivers here are regulated and. Uh, That is one thing I I do miss about the states was uh, we had the wildlife management was a lot better. And so some of those fish populations are much better off for it um, or could be better off if we if we learn to to take better care there. Because, yeah, I've been I was at one river down in Sapporo and I saw um, so Izakaya, which is kind of like a. Japanese version of a tapas bar, maybe uh, tapas bar. <laughs> um, <laughs> they that could come that could come <laughs> out
1: wrong if, if the audio isn't very yeah.
2: clear. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so uh, they came. This this couple came out from like this izakaya truck, came out with rods and fished a hole completely empty, just bucketed every single fish, and then just like took off and left. I. I walked away at 15 fish. I was like, I've had enough. Like I've just watched you pull 15 fish out of this hole and put them in a bucket and leave. And there's nothing like, like there's like a, a, uh, like a police guy walking around the park and it's not, there's no problem with it. Like, and I'm just watching like jaw in the river. Like this is, I'm getting sick. I have to leave, like, this is terrible. You're, you're about to chalk a, a sign on the sidewalk that says special tonight rainbow trout like couldn't believe it so um yeah it it is nice to go to those places where you have to pay for your ticket um or just know the places where the fish are not being harvested like that um but i i've i've used that's another thing i've used some of my time for was um my partner uh she is uh a middle school teacher here at the international school and so She, uh, we had an opportunity to take her class out to the river one day and we showed them bugs. We showed them, like, here's, we showed them the river uh, in an area that didn't have dams. We showed them the river right above a dam. We showed them the river right below a dam. Uh, We looked at bugs in all three places. We, you know, gave them a chance to look at it and be like, oh, like, I can see this and and, like, this is happening. they, they, When we were there, there was a mayfly hatch that was crazy. They all got to see little nymphs coming up to the surface, popping out and flying away. And they were just like, this is crazy. Um, and then caddis are permanently booger bugs in my mind now because I was telling them how they make their rock casing like using essentially snot. Yeah. And so they all started calling them booger bugs. So <laughs> I think you need to make a fly now, and name it that. Yeah, yeah, I think I do. Like, just make a the booger bug special.
1: <laughs> it's sky- oh, got. I was gonna say I forgot it's a caddis caddis only, but uh, I was like, if if there were a mayfly, it would have to be a BWO, like something kind of green and yeah, squirmy. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, but they're not building in the same it's that, cases. So it's that
2: nice green pupa <laughs> color to it. <laughs>
1: Cool. Where can uh, where can people find you if they want to watch your, your videos yeah. or find you on Instagram or any of those spots or if they want to come fish with you?
2: Yeah, yeah. So uh, probably Instagram's the easiest way to to track me down. Uh, my Instagram handle is underscore Nick Hill and then an underscore. Kind of looks like my name written on a line. Um, so underscore Nick Hill underscore. Um, if, they, if they go to my Instagram, DMing me is probably the easiest way to, to reach out to me and, and get a hold of me. Um, just being abroad, uh, my phone number is going to be much different. And uh, my American friends find it challenging to contact a Japanese number. So I imagine that a general audience member would also find it challenging. So hop on Instagram, shoot me a DM, and I can get in contact you, uh, with you there. You can also find a link to my YouTube channel there. Um, I do some YouTube videos and show uh, the fishing out here. I show going out on snowboard trips, splitboard trips, um, just kind of all kinds of adventures around around Hokkaido. Um, Nick Hill, there's probably thousands of them on YouTube. So maybe search Nick Hill Fly Fishing or Nick Hill Fly Co, uh, and then you're going to find yourself at my channel. Um, <laughs> But yeah, that's, that would be a good spot to go to. And um, yeah, I think that's, that's probably the best way to get a hold of me is just uh, reach out to me on Instagram and, and I'll get back to you there and we might move over to WhatsApp or something like that, but uh, that'll get the wheels going. And yeah, doing, if, if there's been people that have come through and they just want to buy flies while they're here, Uh, there's been people that want to come through and uh, like a lot of the, the military guys, they're on a boat with 5,000 other guys. They don't want to spend time with someone else. So they'll they they they'll hit you up and be like, hey, can I get some flies? And you drive me to the trailhead, tell me what to do and leave. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, I can do that. <laughs> so um, and then, yeah, just doing half days and full days of, of wade trips as well.
1: Sweet. So, well, yeah. next, if and when Mike and I make it back out there. Um... Whether whether we're coming out to ski or to fish, we'll have to hit you up and, and have you yeah. take us out now that you're the uh the local. Can,
2: yeah, yeah. If you if you come out to ski, I might still take you out for a day of fishing. Who you knows? Yeah,
1: I, I might demand that at this point. Now that I've <laughs> or, now that I've done a full ski trip, I think if I come back I wanna add at least one more activity in there. I,
2: I remember on our trip you were at that time you were like, I I think I'm gonna sneak away for fishing and all of us were like, She's crazy. Like what <laughs> Where? how, Where? Everything's covered in snow. Uh, but <laughs> now I know the where. <laughs>
1: well, that's the hard part is like th- that's happened on other trips, too, where I'm like, I'd really like to sneak away and fish. But when you're just visiting somewhere like that and aren't on a dedicated fishing trip, figuring out how to go about it is such an overwhelming thing to do for like a day that it often doesn't really happen. I did the same thing when I was in New Zealand and it didn't go very well. Like I had no idea where to go or yeah. who to contact to get gear or what. It was it was difficult.
2: Yeah, I, I imagine that's quite overwhelming. But yeah, I mean, now's the time to take a trip because uh, our borders have been closed. Our economies crashed and the dollar, although it might not feel like it's worth much when you're in the States and you're paying the gas prices there, uh, it's worth a lot more over here right now. That's good to know because, <laughs> um, yeah, it's a little because,
1: disheartening right now to fill yeah. up the
2: tank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I this... This past season has been the first time that gas has actually been more expensive because we we pay in the liter and and by the yen. So normally gas prices are always like at least a dollar more a gallon equivalent for me here. Mm -hmm. And it just hit the tipping point of it's like actually better. Although uh, the yen's not worth much. So I guess if I factor that in, we're probably paying just as much. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, it sounds like the, the only responsible thing to do is to travel to Japan right now, then.
2: Yeah, yeah. As soon as they get that border <laughs> open, hit me up and, uh, and plan a trip. So take advantage of the, the exchange rate while you can.
1: All right. Sounds good. Well, Nick, I will uh, let you get going, but actually hang around for just a couple of minutes. i want to go grab Mike because I know he wants to say hi to you. But uh, this is a ton of fun, and hopefully we can fish together sooner cool. <laughs> sooner than later. Oh, I hope so. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Uh, Don't forget to head over to the website, fishuntamed.com, for all episodes and show notes. And also, please subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. That'll get my episodes delivered straight to your phone. And also, if you have not yet, please consider going over to Apple Podcasts and leaving a rating or review. That's very helpful for me, and I'd greatly appreciate it. Um, Other than that, thank you guys again for listening, and I will be back in two weeks. Bye, everybody.